Welcome to the Upper Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn with Houston Public Media. And I'm Eric Skelly from Rocco, the River Oaks Chamber Orchestra. And this time, we're talking about Gaetano Donizetti's Roberto Devereux, which debuted in Naples in 1837. And this, in fact, was the 57th of Donizetti's 70 operas. Yeah, he was busy. <laughs> he certainly was, considering he was busy. that he wrote them all in 19 years. Right. And it's also one of the three operas that are considered Donizetti's Tudor trilogy. Now, he didn't write them that way. He didn't intend them to be a trilogy, per se. But, you know, we have Maria Stuarda about Mary Stuart, Mary Queen of Scots, somebody may know her as, Anna Bolena, which is Anne Boleyn, and this one, Roberto Devereux, which is about Elizabeth I in Essex. And it's actually, it's the second of two operas that he composed about, well, actually, it's the third <laughs> of two operas in which Elizabeth is a major character because there's the first one he did was called Elisabetta di Kenilworth, if I'm not mistaken. And it's about an earlier period of her life with her, her relationship with Robert Dudley. And then, of course, she is the principal antagonist in Maria Stuarda. She certainly is. Yeah, in this big uh, dramatic confrontation that never actually happened. (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, she is the main figure in Roberto Devereux, despite the fact that he gets the title of the opera. (laughs) Roberto Devereux was the Earl of Essex. Yes. And he is one of those historical personages that everybody suspects had an affair with Elizabeth. Yeah, we don't know for sure, but it kind of looks that way. Because nobody really believes that she could be the Virgin Queen. Right, right, all the way that, yeah, no. (laughs) Probably not. So this is set right at the end of the 16th century in England. Yeah, toward the end of her life and her reign, actually, too. And it's kind of the same territory covered by Benjamin Britten's Gloriana, which is also about Elizabeth and Essex and the last years of her reign and her her decision to, to have to um, have Essex executed, actually. She has to sign his death warrant. So what happens? So as the opera opens, we meet Sarah, who is the Duchess of Nottingham. And she actually is somebody who, is, who has had a relationship with Robert Devereux, the, the uh, Earl of Essex. He gets around. He does. <laughs> that guy... He just really did get around. As we'll find out a little bit later in the opera, she, when Elizabeth commissions Roberto Devereux to take the English army into Ireland, Sarah's father died around that same time. And so in, in the course of this opera, she's kind of forced to marry Nottingham, despite the fact that she doesn't really love him. And I think it's even implicated that Elizabeth is kind of behind that because perhaps she wanted to get a rival out of the way, but but that's not really clear. So Sarah is, she's very sad when the opera opens. She's in a loveless marriage, and she's reading the story of Rosamond, who was a woman who was very much in the same sort of situation that she finds herself in. Rosamond was the mistress of Henry II. And Donizetti wrote an opera about her. Well, of course he did. He had 90 operas. He got to write about something. (laughs) 70. I'm sorry, 70. I I beg your pardon. (laughs) Oh, let's just round it up. Don't don't make him come up with 20 more ideas. (laughs) Yeah, Rosamunda d'Inghilterra. Yes. 
So Elizabeth comes in upon Sarah in this very sad state, and Elizabeth has just consented to allow Robert, Roberto Devereux, to come back from Ireland because he's been accused of treason. Right. Uh, the, the Irish campaign did not go well. <laughs> He was doing all sorts of things that he wasn't authorized to do. Right. He took a little bit too much authority upon himself. And and that's always, uh, in whatever story, in whatever telling of this story you you are listening to or watching or reading, that is always Elizabeth's biggest fear, is that he is trying to gain power through her and, and trying to use her and use her power. And usurp her power. And usurp it. Exactly. So... She's concerned uh, about these 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 charges of treason, but she's also, you know, she's uh, she's unsure of his loyalty to her. Right. She's not really quite that concerned about the treason. She's more concerned about whether or not he has been unfaithful to her. Yeah. And then Lord Cecil comes in. Right. And he is the spokesperson for the Parliament, and they're waiting for the, for the Queen. They're 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 waiting for a, a a judgment from her about the charges against Devereux. Basically, what they're doing is they're pushing for her to sign his death warrant. Right. They're really, they want him gone. Right. And she is withholding that signature. Because. She loves it. She has the hots for she him. Lo- well, she does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then Essex comes in. Of course he does. He is admitted to the royal presence. Yes. Let's just ratchet up the tension a little bit more here. <laughs> and he proclaims. His fidelity to his sovereign. Right. And after Sarah leaves, Elizabeth says to Robert that she had once, she'd once given him a ring. Uh, and it was her, her pledge of loyalty to him. So basically, he has this ring, and if ever he finds himself you know, in need of her protection, he has only to send that ring back to her. And that's his signal to her to... Help him. It's, to, it's his magic flute. It's his, it's his get out of jail free card. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so after the queen leaves, then you get Nottingham, who is Sarah's husband, whom she doesn't love. Uh, but he's also Robert's friend. And the two of them are talking about Nottingham. He's got, he's, he's questioning his wife wife because she's she's been acting funny lately and <laughs> <laughs> he's not sure what's going on there and uh you know he's been she's been embroidering a lot uh in particular a, a blue shawl that's going to come into play here in, in the succeeding acts and so then cecil comes in and uh he is there to bring nottingham to attend a meeting of the peers of the realm and to that, decide the fate of, of Essex. Of Essex. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So then we have a scene uh, in Sarah's apartments, and uh, she's alone, but then Essex comes in. And he's not happy. He's very unhappy with her because she married Nottingham while he was gone. <laughs> and uh, she basically says that it was the Queen's idea, and she, you know, she had no choice. She, she still loves Essex. But she just didn't have any choice in the matter. And she sees that he's wearing this ring on his finger. And this is the ring that Elizabeth gave him. Right. And she takes it the wrong way. <laughs> Basically, that it's a it's a love token. Although it may be. <laughs> 
And uh, she gives him this blue shawl that she's been embroidering, but says that they, they can't see each other anymore. And, and she, in fact, encourages him to turn his attentions onto the queen. Absolutely. It's his only chance of survival, really. End of Act One. End of Act One. Act Two opens in the hall, the big hall, in the Palace of Westminster, mm-hmm. which was the seat of government. Right. And Elizabeth has come to ask Cecil what, you know, with this big meeting, what, what they decided about uh, Essex's fate. And uh, she gets the worst case scenario. They've decided that um, he has to die. And all the members of the court, the lords and ladies of the court, they know that the queen is the one, is the only one who can save him. And the only one that can truly condemn him, too. She's the one that has to sign the warrant for his death. Then Lord Cecil enters again to tell the Queen that the Council of Peers has chosen to condemn Essex for treason, despite the fact that his friend Nottingham stood up to defend him. Yeah. So then we have Raleigh, who is the, who is the Queen's trusted advisor and confidant. And he tells her that... That's uh, Sir Walter Raleigh. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. He tells Elizabeth that uh, when they arrested Essex, that they found this silk scarf on his person. Was it blue? It was blue. How did you know that? (laughs) Intuition. (laughs) And they have the scarf there. And so, you know, he presents this and... And the queen recognizes it. The queen recognizes it. And even worse... Nottingham recognizes it. Not good for Essex. <laughs> Not good at all, because they both know where that scarf came from. It's like the handkerchief in, in Otello. Otello. The exactly. handkerchief with the strawberries embroidered on it. Or the fan in Tosca. Or the fan in Tosca, indeed. Ugh. So Nottingham has now <laughs> realized that there's something going on with his friend and his wife. And he is furious and the queen's furious essex because yes he has lied to her in saying that he loved no one but her right and nottingham who has just stood up in front of the council of peers to defend essex now finds out essex and nottingham's wife yeah have a thing going on oh boy <laughs> So what's the result of all that? Big ensemble. Yeah, big ensemble. And Elizabeth signs his death warrant. End of Act Two. Yeah. Act Three opens again in Sarah's apartments, and she learns that Essex is to be executed. Yeah. And she has received a letter from him along with the ring. And he basically asks her, would you please take this to Elizabeth and beg for her to intercede on my behalf and to stop the execution? That's, as you said, his get out of jail free card. Yeah, literally. (laughs) But unfortunately, Nottingham comes in and reads the letter. And, you know, she, she tells him that she's innocent, that there's nothing has happened between them. And she's, she's not lying, but he doesn't believe her. And he prevents her 
from getting out of there and going straight to the Queen with that ring. Then the scene changes to the Tower of London, where Essex is being held in prison, and he is waiting to hear that he's been pardoned. Yeah, he's expecting to hear that he's been pardoned. He's expecting Sarah to deliver the ring to the Queen, and the Queen then to do what she promised and spare him. And it doesn't happen. (laughs) Um, You know, Cecil arrives, but it isn't to free him. It's to take him away to his execution, which he does. So then we get to the final scene in the Great Hall at Westminster. And Elizabeth is already mourning Essex's death. And she's wondering, why isn't Sarah here? You know, in this, in, this, in this hour when I need her most, she's not here. And and she doesn't make the connection at all of Sarah's absence and Essex's impending execution. Right. And, you know, Cecil comes in and says that Robert is, is being led to the block as they speak. And finally, Sarah does come in, you know, breathless and, you know... <laughs> Uh, in in this sort of a state of disarray, and she gives Elizabeth the ring. And she confesses to Elizabeth, actually. She says, you know, I'm the one that Robert has been in love with all along, but, you know, I'm here to plead on his behalf to give you this ring, to ask you to do what you promised to do and spare his life. And Elizabeth, despite the fact that she's just, you know, <laughs> met the woman who's who's been the... the the stumbling block in, in, in her relationship with Essex, mm-hmm. her the impediment, Elizabeth is is willing to do what she promised, and she's about to stay the execution. Well, she orders the stay of execution. Right. And then immediately after, they hear a cannon shot. Which is an indication that the execution has happened. Has happened. So Nottingham comes in, and Elizabeth... The Queen, I mean, the Queen is is mad at... Sarah, because she thinks that, you know, if if Sarah had come more quickly, Robert would still be alive. Yeah. And then Nottingham comes in. And this is where she finds out who really prevented her from saving Essex. It was Nottingham. Nottingham says, it was my fault. Yeah, yeah, not even this, it was my fault. I did it happily. (laughs) I did it quite deliberately. Thank you very much. And so Elizabeth is is simply left to mourn Essex and... And she has this vision of the crown, the symbol of, of her sovereignty, that is covered in blood and that there's a man running through the corridors of the palace carrying his head under his arm. <laughs> and where her throne used to be there is an open tomb so she's in a good mood she's in a good mood <laughs> no but she's she sees that her time is coming to a close uh i think she even says that her successor will be james the 6th of scotland james who will then be james the 1st of england mary stuart's son and she's left to Uh, basically left alone with her ghosts. Because she realizes that her love for Essex has compromised her as sovereign. Mm -hmm. And 
this vision that she has is sort of the ultimate price that she's going to pay. Right. End of opera. End of opera. So, Eric, Maurice Duwada and Anna Bolena are performed quite regularly. Roberta Devereux less so. Yes. But how does it stack up against the other two musically? Wonderfully well. But, the, you know, the reason that it's not performed as often is because I think it's, it's just that much more difficult, especially for the soprano singing Elizabeth I. There have been great singers like Montserrat Caballé and Erita Gruberova, uh, Mariela de Villa, who have had great, great successes with it. And, and some of them have done all three Tudor queens of Donizetti. The one who I think in the United States is best known for these three roles, but with this role in particular, is Beverly Sills. And she very bluntly stated that taking this role on probably took a good 10 years off of her vocal life. Really? Really. And it was worth it, according to her. Because it's so musically and dramatically meaty. It's just a real tour de force. Gaetano Donizetti's Roberta Devro. That's this week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. Thank you for listening. Yeah.